Hey, and welcome to the GCC Youth Podcast. GCC Youth is a student ministry of Gracewood Community Church. We meet every Wednesday evening from 6.45 to 8. Find us on Facebook or Instagram at GCC Youth Lebanon and follow us for the latest on what's happening. We hope you're encouraged by this message and inspired to grow in your faith. Thanks for listening. Now to the message. So, how you guys doing? How's the week going for you? Short school week. It's for some of you anyway. Bet you guys like that. I loved snow days, even if there was no snow, which was the case for this week. There was no snow. It was just cold. I loved cold days that I didn't go to school. So, hey, I want to tell you, maybe you don't know, you probably already do, but um, so you can follow us on the socials, Instagram or Facebook if you want to do that. Um, it's GCC Youth Lebanon. You can find us. We're trying to give you more encouraging content as much as possible on a daily basis, and um, following us is also a great way to stay up on what's happening here. So, uh, But glad you guys are here tonight. Uh, so glad to see you guys. Um, just want to jump right into it. Last week, does anyone remember what last week was about? All right, we looked at the word, we looked at the word change, right? So this week, we're just going to continue with that. Uh, and last week, we talked about what a changed life in Christ means and what that should look like for us. Uh, one of the things we discussed was that the battles that you and I face as Christians aren't always physical battles, right? Some of the battles you face are physical. You will have physical battles. Um, but the real fight that the enemy has against us as Christians is for our souls, right? So a lot of what we face in life isn't all from, from what we see, is it? It's what we learned. And so we looked at Ephesians 2. And Ephesians 2 talks about everyone who disobeys God is basically giving the enemy power over them, okay? And so they're operating under the enemy, uh, the power of the enemy. So our life choices have a lot to do with, with giving power to the enemy or revoking that power, okay? Uh, what else did we learn? We looked at um, another verse in Ephesians 6, and it talks about, about the fact that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against the things you see and, and the physical things, um, the things we can touch and can, can handle on our own, really, um, but against a spiritual enemy. Um, so we learned that we have to come at spiritual battles with a spiritual response, right? And that led us to talk about a word called sanctification, the word you only hear in church, sanctification. So what does that mean? So when you sanctify something, in biblical terms, you're talking about setting something apart for God, for His purposes. So we're talking about us being set apart um, for the purposes that God has for us. And that's something that we take part in by learning to walk in the Spirit. We talked about walking in the Spirit. Um, in the book of Leviticus, which is in the Old Testament, and then and in 1 Peter, which is in the New Testament, um, it says for us to be holy because God is holy. So He desires that we live holy lives. Now, we're, we're not going to be uh, God holy in, in whole, W-H-O-L-E, like, like He is exactly, but we are striving to be more like Him. Um, and that was, uh, that was us, understanding that we were bought with a price, that Jesus paid the price with his life. And so we no longer rule our own lives, right? Um, we were bought by him, but, but God should guide us through his Holy Spirit. And so that's where we left off. And so we have to listen to what he says, right? And not only listen, but, but do what he says when we read it in his words. And it does us no good to hear it and, and not to do it, does it? So a changed life. It's a hard thing if we don't understand who we are in Christ. We have to know who we are first. If we don't truly accept that 
that he bought us with with that high price, then then we can't live to please him because we don't understand that there's so much that he gave for us. He gave it all for us, right? And so so as we draw near to him, uh, we we can begin to recognize his voice in our hearts when he can begin speaking to us. Um, we can begin to walk in that obedience. And, and that's what we talked about, walking in the Spirit, is walking in the things that he is saying to us and not, not the whispers that we're getting from other places. So it begins with the change in us, doesn't it? It begins with us. And it should change us if we're, if we're going to respond to what he's doing and what he's asking of us. So we left off last week with, with sort of a challenge, um, a challenge that maybe you're not completely bought into this thing, uh, the idea yet of, of walking in the Spirit. You maybe don't understand it completely, but we're trying to unpack more of what that means so that you understand it. Um, but, but our prayer was that you would yield yourself to God and let Him begin to work in your hearts as we, as we move forward. And so God is about changing hearts. He is about changing us, changing our heart first, and then that's how our behavior will change. And so that's how we prayed for God to work in us as we kind of anticipate what He needs to change in us and what He shows us. Uh, so this week, I want to continue, continue the discussion that we're talking about living a changed life. Uh, when the Bible talks about you and I living this changed life, it, it refers to a term that I want you to be familiar with, and it's in a verse in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to read this. Um, it's kind of long, so three like slides here, but we'll go through this. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. And so the first part of it says, For the love of Christ controls us. Other versions say, says urges us. Um, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. It goes on to say, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Okay, The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You can hear that word a lot in this verse, and I'll tell you what it means in a second. So he gave us the ministry, ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's a term I want you to be familiar with right there, new creation. Okay. So what does new creation mean? Well, um, is, this just, is that just something that people say in church? Is like a faith statement? You know, oh, I'm a new creation. Okay. It may seem confusing. So what has changed or what, what needs to change for us to become a new creation like he's talking about in the verse? So let's look at what, what Paul is saying in verse 14, what we just read. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that's Jesus, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves because he bought us with a price, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He died and was raised from the dead for our sake. He died on behalf of everyone. All sin, so all have died. Those who live choose life and will live for the one who died. Okay? So to define what it means to be a new creation, we have to understand what uh, compels people to live a Christian life. Like there has to be something that compels us to live a life that pleases God as we are being changed by Him and being transformed. So here's three things that we need to understand about becoming a new creation in Christ. Okay? The first is this. Uh, we have to realize that 
there is no fear. Um, fear has been abused, and fear has been used as a motivator for a very long time to get people to do what other people want them to do. Fear has been used and abused. Uh, threats, false information. Our, our culture uses fear constantly, right? Turn on the news, right? Um, it's a common tactic in our political world. Fear is used a lot. And if I'm honest, the kinds of fears that uh, have maybe driven me are fears of uh, disappointment, uh, maybe letting people down. And honestly, this is toxic, you know. Uh, fear is toxic because it, it misplaces the motivation that's in you. And so this puts your drive for life in the approval or disapproval of other people. And, and that's not okay because that's not where Christ wants us to be. There is no fear in him. Um, some other examples of fears. Uh, maybe if you don't do good, something bad will happen to you. How many of you ever thought that or felt that? I mean, I know I have. Uh, maybe worry consumes you. Have you all ever worried about anything? No? Oh, wow. Worriers. But these are terrible motivators. Terrible motivators. And, and too often, it, it seems that this is kind of like the narrative of what motivates a lot of Christians to live like a new creation. But that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, fear of going to hell. Are you going to go to hell, you know? Fear of God cursing us because we did something or thought something or said something. Uh, fear, fear of letting God down. If fear is at the root of what motivates you to live for Christ, then it's time for you to uproot from that perspective and find another perspective because that's not at all what Christ had in mind. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, um, he's showing us what's motivating him to, to persevere through all the hardships. He is showing us that he's living his life for the one who died for, for him without fear. So there's no fear in it at all. One version, like we, like we said, says, for the love of Christ urges us on. It's the energy, it's the fuel, it's the motivation that, that he, he has to live the way that he's living, to do the things he's doing. And it comes from a, a, a deep-seated revelation of who he is in Christ and an understanding that, that Jesus loves him. So Jesus' love needs to be the motivator instead of fear, okay? He died for all, and because all have died, and like the verse says, and now we who live, live for the one who has died for us. Um, if you see Christianity as a burden, if you see living a Christian life as like a bunch of have-tos, like I have to do this, or, you know, it's list, there's probably a deeper revelation of Jesus that you need in your life. So that's where this next verse comes in. 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love. No fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Other versions say perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. A lot of people see God as this, this guy in the sky, you know, this white-bearded, all-powerful guy in the sky, and he's got this, this staff, and he's like, lightning's going to strike you, you know. It's like, I'm just going to make something bad happen, you know. That's not who our God is, right? Perfect love drives out fear. And fear has to do with punishment, okay? So God loves us despite perfect love drives out fear. Um, the energy at the basis of our, our life as Christians should come from an understanding of God's love for us, okay? His love for us and our love for Him. Quit being driven by fear. Quit being pressured by your fears and the fears that other people try to impose on you. Just respond to God's love. Simply respond to His love. There is no fear. Okay? That's the first thing. Uh, second thing we have to learn about being a new creation is that we have to leave the old. We have to leave the old. So how are we a new creation, and what does that mean to leave the old? Well, we go back to Scripture because the Bible is a really good place to, 
to read about things and to learn, right? So 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though, okay, sometimes the way they word things in the Bible, it sounds a little weird, like according to the flesh, like what, you know? But I'll explain it. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. When it says the flesh there, it's referring to living according to the old way. Other versions of the Bible will talk about it as the, the old point of view, okay? Like our old life, okay? So the flesh is like sin, the things that we want to do that are sinful, the old life that we hopefully did a 180 from, and we accepted Christ in our life. So through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God created this new way to live. So if you're in Christ, um, the old way you used to live is dead. You're not seen like you were before. You are a new creation. So that's what we mean by new creation. So yes, there is new conduct. There's a new way to kind of behave as a new creation, right? And what is that? Well, it's simple, isn't it? It's to not sin and to do what's right. That's easy, right? It's not easy, actually. That was a trick question. It's not easy, but we can do that with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we have to leave the old, okay? That's the second thing. The third thing is that we have to find out how to live as this new creation, okay? Our life is a journey, right? Our life is a journey. For some of us, it's a longer journey than, the, uh, than others. But you could also say that our Christian life is a journey, uh, a journey of, of waking up to who we are in Christ, a journey of, of becoming that new identity that he's given us in Christ. It's about daily transformation, right, to be more like Christ. That means we accept it, okay, we, we meditate on it, like we read it over and over. When we go to his word, we read it over and over. We don't just read it once because you're going to forget it, you know. Go back to it, read it again, meditate on it, and then in turn we, we live like it. But this isn't a matter of, like, judgment or condemnation. Don't mistake this for, well, you're not living, you know, I'm pointing a finger at you. You're not living the right way. It's not a, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a, you're okay, John. You're fine. It's not a matter of judgment. It's not a matter of condemnation. Um, that's not how God works, right? There's no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ, okay? He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't write you off. Ah, lying through his name. Sucker. For one reason or another, you know? And we don't judge you as Christians. We don't judge you because you act a certain way, because you might fail. Now, sometimes, sometimes we might do that, right? Sometimes I've done it. Sometimes we might judge somebody, and you're like, and when you think about it, I step back, and I'm like, man, I'm an awful person, you know? I shouldn't be judging someone, but, but in my heart, I've done it, you know? But you know what? God doesn't, so we should take on his likeness and to be like him, okay? So we shouldn't judge you, okay? God doesn't condemn you, write you off. I don't want to condemn you or write you off. We shouldn't write others off, right? So we don't judge you because you don't act a certain way. But now as Christians, we should love one another enough to tell each other when another Christian is out of line or, or maybe in danger of falling or, or, you know, getting a little too close to the edge, you know? Um, that is okay, just so you know. That's, that's okay. That's not judging. That's, that's helping another believer. If you, if you claim to belong to Jesus but you're not, you're not living the life that you claim you belong to, then you're living another life, which is probably in sin, and doing what you want, then if I see that, or if another Christian sees that, then out of love for you, and that's the key there, you have to approach someone in love. You can't come at them with anger and your fists raging and you've got like a spear ready to... Who carries a spear? Out of love for you, your fellow believer in Christ, I should come to you and let you know my concern and work to restore you. That should be the goal. The goal in every interaction 
in our Christian life with other Christians should be to restore one another in love. If you're going the wrong way, I should tell you, right? Should I not tell you? I'm going to tell you this. This isn't the way. Hey, this isn't the way. Okay? Now, I know Mando here. Some of you might know who this guy is. Some, some of you might not. Mando says this is the way. But sometimes you got to tell your brother or sister in Christ, hey, this isn't the way. So imagine him. Some of you get that reference. Okay, so living this, uh, this new creation life is a call to wake up to the new person that you are. The new person that you are. Um, it's, like, it's like a wild animal that, that grew up in a cage, and then, then it's set free. It's not that you're trying to become something else. It's that you're trying to, to shed off the layers of, of what you are not and to become who you really are and who you're really supposed to be. Okay, Some of us wonder why there's so much dysfunction, even among Christians. And it's because they're not living the life that God called them to live. There's something not lining up there. He's called us to live a certain way. We've said okay to him, but then we look back and we're like, oh, you know, this looks nice, my, you know, my old life here, you know. And so it's like, well, which way are you going to go, you know? So that's what we have to do in this new life you've been given. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, All this is from God, who through Christ, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling. Uh, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. God reconciled us to Himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to be reconcilers. All right. How many of y'all feel like a reconciler in here? You're like, oh, what a what a. <laughs> No, so what does that mean? What does reconcile mean? What does reconciliation mean? Reconciliation simply means to bring it back into harmony, to bring something into harmony, okay? Something that's not, to reconcile it back into harmony. So take the things that are functioning like the old way and bring them into harmony with the new. So what does it mean for people? Well, it's people being reconciled to God and to one another. You hear that? Not just to God, but to one another. So this way and this way. Okay. It's reconciliation even for the whole earth, really, is what God's idea was. And what does it take to be a reconciler? The verse says that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So what does it take to be a reconciler? God's idea of reconciliation is bringing us back into harmony with himself. And that work is found in forgiveness. It's a very hard thing, forgiveness. And some of us deal with forgiveness um, and haven't dealt with forgiveness but this is a very hard thing. But forgiveness is the key to reconciliation. It's exactly the thing that, that Jesus did when he paid the price with his life for our sins on the cross. That was God forgiving us for our sins and made the way, made the bridge for reconciliation. So forgiveness is when you or I feel, uh, stop feeling angry or, um, or resentful towards someone for uh, an offense or a mistake they made or something they did to us. So when God's people, as new creations, right, as people who are changed, changed believers, when we begin to go out and re reconcile the world to come into harmony with what God really has in mind, that's when things start to work. That's when we'll begin to see peace and, and justice and mercy and forgiveness and love and joy and all the things that God originally intended for us to have and to live out here on earth and with Him. Not fear, not resentfulness, not jealousy, not anger, those things. So we have to realize first that there's no, there's no fear in living this changed life. It looks different. It, it's supposed to look different. We're supposed to be a different people when we follow Christ. So it will look different, but there's no fear in it. You just live it, okay? You live it because you love God, 
and out of love he has for you, that enables you to do that through his Holy Spirit. Some of you might have feared what others think, like we talked about at the beginning, some of our fears. Maybe you feared what it will cost you. It will cost you something. It may cost you your, your, your friendships, some friendships or relationships and that sort of thing. It may not. You may actually be able to strengthen those relationships, uh, but you may have to, to walk away from some things, you know, that are in your life, and, and that's okay. Don't fear. Just, just do it and move forward. So maybe you, maybe you fear the idea of just being different, and you will be seen as different for, uh, for a time, uh, but for Christ's sake, that's a win if you're, you're, you're seen as different. Maybe, um, maybe because so many people, like maybe your friends and so on, maybe they aren't living the life that you know God has uh, for you and the, and the life that maybe they should be living. Uh, maybe they don't know God, but you're trying to mix the two together, you know? Don't fear that, though. You don't have to be fearful of living, losing status with people. And your status is with God. That's, your first, that's the first place. Your status is with Him first. That's the only one that matters. If you get that right, all the other stuff falls into place, including your feelings about the issues, okay? Because it's all about love. It's about love. It's about how much God loves you, how much He loves you, how, lo- how much He loves me, and every other person. So change. What is our response? Well, we should aim to live the way that He called us to live. Will you miss the mark from time to time? Yes, you will. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to live the way he's called us to live, the way he's shown us to live in his word. It's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. Uh, and no one who ever, who ever started genuinely living for God said, man, I wish I could go back to my old life. I loved sin. You know, I just loved, I just loved living in the pig pen. A changed mind in his word and in obedience to him uh, leads to a changed heart. And that will, in turn, lead to a changed life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, for teaching us and for making, making it available, your Holy Spirit, for us to learn how it is that we can live a life that pleases you. But I thank you even more for your love, that despite our, our failures, despite our sin, despite the things that hold us back, our, even our fears, God, you don't want us to fear, but you still love us through the fear. And it's your love that pulls us through, God. It's your love that, that died for us on the cross when you sent your son, died for our sins. And we thank you for, for the way that you've paved for us. And you say the path is narrow that we should follow is because you have one way. It's one way for us to travel. It is the way. And if we keep our eyes fixed on you, if we keep our hearts fixed on you, God, you will guide us and begin to change our hearts. And, Lord, we know that it's a daily, daily thing. Um, we talk about changing our lives and talking about transformation we know that there is a lot of uh, a lot of confusion that comes with uh, some of the battles that come to us, and we we know that you've given us weapons, spiritual weapons for a spiritual response. That you give us weapons in your word, and your word is a sword. Your word is a sword that we we go to battle with, and and so we speak your word when there's things that come against us. We pray your word when the things that come against us. We meditate on your word, and we keep that in our hearts, over and over and over. We repeat the things that you've told us are promises from you promises that that you fulfill you always keep your promise and you're always faithful and we thank you for your faithfulness we ask that you be glorified in our lives it's your name we pray amen